are based. Was this story based? Yes. Was this story based? Yes, it was. If you thought this story was based, you're right. This tale of a mysterious force protecting a pharmacy is based. Is this story based? Did you think this one was based? If you thought this one was based, you're right. Was this story based? Not this time. This story of a gun that wouldn't <laughs> fire at innocent people was actually based. Was this story of vengeance in the forest based? Not this time. Was this story based? Yes. Although this story has been updated for our show, it's based. The true stories tonight were based. Now it's time to see which of our stories. <laughs> wow. Okay. Oh, God, that won't stop. Yeah, but there we go. There we go. That was peak video medium and an audio medium as I played it on my phone into a microphone. But if y'all heard, Philip heard it, I heard him laugh. So at least one of us heard it, but God, yeah. It was... <laughs> Got to hear Riker say stuff was based over and over again. So, yes, uh, so, so everything you hear on this show is now based. Uh, Riker has said so. Um, yeah. So in the period between this uh, last episode and this episode, I have finished the Romulan arc of Star Trek online and yeah, a hundred percent. I, it's dope. I love it. Philip is looking at me because yep. there's been like five minutes between last episode and this episode, and he doesn't believe me. Do you really actually like no, like hop on to? Oh, okay, <laughs> I am absolutely not. I am. I I was fiction. To... It was fiction. Look, I I had I was very into World of Warcraft for a, so like I totally understand the like. I got five minutes while this process is I'm going to hop on and complete a thing. <laughs> so no. like maybe you were that close. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I have actually had to, um, I, I'm very like, that's the way I typically kind of play games if I get into them. And I've had to break myself of that with baby because otherwise it leads me to being a little irresponsible as a parent because like, it's just like uh, the minute he uh, has his attention on something else, I'm just like, oh, I can play the game. No, that's not a good way to parent. I'm not going to do that. I have carved out very specific time frames where I allow myself to play video games. Um, they're all times when he is asleep. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, <clears throat> so like, I totally get that like um, challenge with parenting and video game, like your own video game hobby is, is exactly like that. Like it becomes really difficult to invest into games that require like um, sort of like <clears throat> longer term investment or longer term skill building. For example, like dark souls came out like just two years before I became a parent and I didn't immediately get in on it uh, at the time. Uh, and sort of like, then it became a thing. It's like, okay, well, like, when am I ever gonna like learn to get the like particular skill set of like playing through this like you know sort of famously very difficult game and uh, don't really have the opportunity to do that uh, when I'm sitting down for my you know thirty minutes of game time before I go to be bed or whatever. I'm not looking to uh, get myself get my ass kicked over and over again. Uh, with not enough time to develop the skills to have to stop getting my ass kicked. Uh, so I fully missed the, the souls and souls like game train. Uh, so like, you know, when everyone's talking about Elden ring, I was like, <clears throat> it's cool. Like it visually looks very cool. And I'm very impressed with the people, you know, the videos I've seen of people killing big, scary monsters, but um it may be a long time before I have the capacity to to do that. But um, if I was already kind of good at it, you know, before I might it might be different. Uh, but 
and it's also like not my favorite kind of thing. So I'm not like insanely motivated to do it because that's like another part of it. Like, but anyway, I had a real quick story before we begin this. Uh, I had a very wonderful happen. Like, like the universe came together for me in a way that killed thousands of people and, uh, didn't really come together for anyone else. Um, but in March of 2020, uh, I I had been I was super grumpy about games for a very long time because like at post college during college and post college I never had time to play video games and I love I used to love video games but I never had time to play games and all the games that were out were like uh you know uh, uh Red Red Dead Redemption 2 that was like the super immersive massive giant game and I was like who the fuck has time to play these games I don't have time to play these games this is stupid I would love to do it but I don't so all I had was like a a uh, Xbox 360 all the way up until March of 2020 and on spring break as we were all seeing COVID coming and thinking ah this is just going to be like H1N1 it's not going to be a big deal I came back to Missouri uh, met up with a friend of mine bought his PlayStation 4 just as like out of a like he needed a little money and I was like yeah maybe someday I'll get around to playing this thing and it'll be kind of cool came home and then got an email from my boss that we were all on administrative leave uh, for the indefinite future. And then COVID happened. Uh, And I spent like nine months in an apartment uh, with nothing to do but play the PlayStation 4 as much as my heart desired. Uh, And I completed so many of those massive, like there is not a chance ever in otherwise in my life I would have ever played Red Dead Redemption 2 and I'm so fucking glad I was able to. Everything else about the summer of 2020 was fucking shit. But at least I got to play Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it was funny, like, without getting into it, like, COVID was uh, interesting for me. Because, like, as a software developer, like, work from home has been a sort of option that was, like, kind of offered as, like, oh, sometimes you can work from home if the commute's really difficult or you're, like feeling kind of like under and don't want to like get up and get out, but like not so sick that you don't like that you want to take off work or whatever. Like it was kind of like a, a thing that they were like, you can do this just, you know, not too much or, you know, it was kind of dependent on the culture of the company too. And so like for, for at least at the place I was working and uh, it was like, they were fortunately like pretty responsible about it. And the minute that it was like that we had a case in Oklahoma, it was like uh, everyone go home, work from home just forever until it's gone. Uh, and I've been working from home at several jobs now uh, ever since uh, because none of the developers want to go back. <laughs> uh, and so it's uh, for me, there was never like this like big gap period where like I, I didn't have a job where it was like, oh, I can't work anymore. And so like for me, it was just kind of like, oh, I get to work from home all the time now. Uh, but I mean, obviously, like not being able to go out and do stuff like it was still hard in in all kinds of ways. But uh, I don't have this like this period where like, no, I can't work, you know, like it's impossible. I work from home now, too, but my coworker shits himself and screams every 15 minutes. So <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of your children as your coworker. It's uh, interesting framing that I have to anyway. So uh back to the topic at hand we're here to sort of go through and wrap up our sort of like uh how to get your kids into video games thing we've gone over some like con uh just like general concerns we've gone over some broad strategies for handling games in general 
and the particular kinds of like content and whatnot that can be in those games. But uh, now uh, I wanted to go through a handful of like categories, uh, stuff like real-time strategy or role-playing games or platformers and like sort of talk about some of the specifics that like from my experience uh, I've had in uh, introduce, trying to introduce these kind of things to my kids at, you know, various ages. So, uh, first up on the list, we have, I have strategy games, which is, I've kind of consolidated them. Cause I feel like even though like obviously real-time strategy and turn-based strategy games have very, very different sorts of challenges to them. Um, <clears throat> I think that like broadly the specifics about like how to handle that with your kids is uh, actually shared across the genre. Uh, so strategy games are obviously like one of the hardest ones to introduce to young kids because like strategy games have this uh, feature that is very uh, satisfying for an adult, <laughs> but is deeply frustrating for a kid, which is that like you make lots and lots of small decisions all of which have a snowballing impact, you know, 50 turns or 20 minutes or whatever down the line that can win or lose you a game. So like kids don't follow that. They're just like, I, I remember playing strategy games as a kid and it was just like, I'd be like building my city and like, oh, cool. I got like some buildings and I'm just climbing up the tech tree to see what's there. You know, and then I get like bowled over by a computer who attacks me and I have like two units or whatever. And so like, most of the time when I play them as a kid, I cheat. Um, so uh, basically like even like really well-designed uh, strategy games on easier difficulties, if they have difficulty settings at all, uh, they're just like really complex mechanically. Um, playing the game well can sometimes be very counterintuitive. It's not very obvious what's good. Um and so, like, <clears throat> I would say, like, especially if your kids are, like, really young, if they're very interested in it and they like the idea of, like, building buildings and, like, making little guys and walking around the map or whatever, I'd say just, like, hand them the cheat code list. Be like, hey, look, you know, if you just want to play around with this, kind of sandbox it, you know, get into StarCraft, type power overwhelming, everything's invincible, just do your stuff. And I feel like this is a good opportunity too to teach a concept that you're allowed to make games whatever you want them to be. Like you don't have to follow the constraints of the game. Like um, I I loved Age of Empires as a kid. I don't think I ever played Age of Empires according to how Age of Empires is supposed to be played. I like to build cool shit in giant armies. Uh, I Every time I tried to play the game, I would get just absolutely stomped. Um because I was not good at any of the game, because I was a little too young. Um, but yeah, I love building cool stuff, and that was okay. I think it's a good thing to teach kids, like, you know, if you're not enjoying the way this game is supposed to be made, and there's something you enjoy out of it, that's okay in its own way. Like, yeah. you, know, you should challenge yourself, and you should, you know, do hard things, but, like, also, you shouldn't do things you don't enjoy in a like in a, in a recreational sense, just for the sake of doing them. And I, I think, yeah, I feel like I encounter a lot of adults that never learned that lesson. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like that's the thing too, is like, it kind of gives you this opportunity to like later return to them. Like I, there's a ton of games that I played through like Age of Empires or Warcraft 2, Warcraft 3, that like 
I played um I played them with cheats as a young kid. Although I think when Warcraft 3 came out, I actually was old enough to play through that kind of normally. But um <clears throat> you know, some of the older strategy games, like I would run cheats and just whatever. Uh, but then like being able to return to them later and like play through these campaigns and actually like, you know, win them legitimately is very satisfying. Um, but uh, I just didn't have the capacity for it at that age. Like there's a reflex level. There's a understanding of like snowballing and that kind of stuff that like um, one thing it can be really good for uh, once they get to an age where they can kind of handle it is uh, it's a really uh, uh there's some potential there to like learn about like long-term planning systemic effects of things in the game. Like you can really talk about like, um, you know, for example, like, Oh, okay. So like you decided, um, you know, you made this decision early on, but because like you're operating in the system where like it, it rewards this kind of thing and punishes this kind of thing because people behave like this, blah, blah, blah. You can sort of like get, it can be an early introduction to like thinking about more complex systems and how different things interact to create certain incentive structures and whatnot that, you know, can guide your behavior or whatever. Um, next up on our list is role-playing games, which is another really big, broad category that has a whole lot of different stuff. There's MMORPGs, there's JRPGs, there's um, tactics RPGs, there's sort of like top-down isometric stuff, a lot like Baldur's Gate or um, that kind of stuff. And there's, uh, you know... Uh, stuff like mass effect that's more like third person or you know like uh skyrim which is more of a first person type thing there's like a billion rpgs and they come in a, a million different shapes and sizes i mentioned undertale last episode another excellent rpg um <clears throat> it's more of a jrpg ish it's kind of its own thing uh anyway so like obviously i'm painting with a really really broad brush here uh i could Probably if people wanted like hyper specific advice, like get into the weeds on all kinds of different stuff here. But like uh, for now, just like kind of broad stuff. Um, RPG is the biggest challenge is like just knowing what's in them. Uh, they're usually long, epic, you know, sort of like storylines that have complexity to them. And um so just kind of like be aware. Don't just be like, oh, this looks like a cool thing. Go play, you know, like be like at least like do some research as to what kind of content might be in them. Um, but um, RPGs are really good for kids to be able to do like a lot of self-expression. Uh, uh, a really good early RPG is Pokemon, although I don't know who have to tell that that exists since it's the most popular media franchise of all time. But like whatever. Like it's good. Uh, it's simple. It's fairly intuitive. Like kids get the idea of like a water Pokemon beats a fire Pokemon most of the time. Uh, and the game has, especially the more modern ones uh, for many, many criticisms that they absolutely deserve uh, that exist. Uh, they have gotten like good at like um, sort of reducing the mechanical complexity for their younger audience. Uh <clears throat> and offering some some opportunities for more self-expression um can encourage exploration um uh or sorry 
uh, what I would say is like a tip if you're like trying to get them to play the game and enjoy it is like really encourage them to explore because it's like that's where the um that's where a lot of sort of the joy of RPGs is like going in and finding some hidden thing. Oh, cool. What's this, you know? Uh, and then sort of like side benefit that this has is it's kind of a difficulty reducer. Cause like if you're wandering around encountering random stuff, getting a bunch of extra experience, just going around exploring and not just trying to like blaze through the main storyline, uh, you'll often be over leveled. And so the challenges will be easier as they approach them. So it can kind of uh, basically like, sort of get them to grind through exp- exploration um yeah yeah that this is one of the so okay so I, I think i mentioned this maybe in episode one both really both of my parents were gamers when i was a kid and uh like they had an nes like when i was born and then a super nintendo for them and then like i got an n64 later on and such and so forth and so my parents taught me a lot of like early gaming strategies and stuff and this is one that came up a lot because i i was generally pretty decent at like the games that they had in the house um but one that they had that i really wanted to play that was above my level that I was just fascinated with was Dragon Warrior 2 on Nintendo on on, on the NES. Uh, and I was terrified. It, it's basic, It's very similar to Pokemon in that it's like an art, well, I should say Pokemon like gold, like the old school Pokemon, in that it's a um, uh, an RPG and where your character goes around this map and you get this big fold-out map with the game. And uh, as you're going around the map, you'll run into enemies randomly that will then attack you. And I would get stomped by these enemies all the time. And so I was terrified to walk around the map. And yeah, my mom would always work with me to try to get me to explore. And I was afraid to, like I was afraid of the game. Uh, And it was getting me unafraid of the game and getting me to explore and getting me to go to cool places. And uh, that was like part of, like she taught me how to play that game and how to, not be afraid it's a thing i still think of when i play some games and then i'll like kind of back away from some challenging area and i like think about like you know mom teaching me how to play Mm -hmm. dragon warrior 2 that's cool yeah yeah rpgs have a lot of potential like a a big thing like the whole idea of a role-playing game is like you is like agency it's like player agency is like a big big thing in role-playing games and like that is what makes them really powerful from a storytelling perspective and like a emotional experience like uh you get this thing of like you've overcome this thing and it feels like you're the person doing it in a very direct way um and uh so rpgs have this like huge potential to like allow kids to explore certain ideas in a very personal way while also having a little distance from it uh i kind of went into this a little bit in my discussion about undertale last time so i won't go like over it again uh, if you're curious about like some of my thoughts about Undertale, you can, uh, and, and if you're somehow listening to this, having not listened to that prior, go back and listen to it. But um, <clears throat> yeah, you can like, by sort of putting you in the driver's seat of this one character, it can really help you like have this like sense of like, I do a thing and I get consequences of my actions and see it. And that can be a really cool way to explore ideas. Um, so anyway, uh next up on our list is platformers um which uh, we found out last time tommy had uh came very late to the game on and i came very early into uh 
So I'll say like, as someone who grew up on platformers, Sonic the Hedgehog was my, was my very first video game. Uh, you got Sega Genesis with Sonic the Hedgehog on it. It's hard for kids to do platformers. It's like very reflex based. It's very timing based. Um, they're going to die a lot. Uh, and learning to um, it, it's a it's an opportunity to learn how to work through some frustration potentially but you also may have to interrupt and say it's time to do something else when that gets a little too high um, <clears throat> I'd say check for difficulty settings some of the more modern ones have them um, obviously like really old school games don't um, but fundamentally the mechanics of platformers are just like kind of difficult as a baseline for for really young kids like older elementary school and up can you know generally start to get the hang of it or whatever like in a way that doesn't feel deeply frustrating but like i would recommend like being you know approaching it carefully with like very young kids like kindergarten first grade that kind of age because it can be really difficult because they just don't have like the coordination to do it. They're going to jump into pits a lot. They're going to go like, what I jumped. And then like not realize that they didn't push to the right hard enough to actually make it over the pit. Um, or that, you know, like the, that they needed a little more momentum or, you know, something like that. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, the older ones, like as classic as they are and as good as they are often in game design and teaching you things, um, do have a really, uh, rough feature, uh, especially in like for kids that maybe used to some modern games and that like, uh, there's no save progress now, like a lot of them are emulated and you can kind of like get that anyway, but like, it's not built into the game and it's kind of not always clear how to get to it. So like, it can be rough mentally as it was when I was a kid to lose all your progress once you lose all your lives. Um, so, you know, it can be a good opportunity to teach perseverance and obviously practice like hand-eye coordination type stuff, but it's, um, I'd say just approach it with care, be very aware of their emotional state as they're playing. I wouldn't until you're confident that they can play for chunks of time without getting like really upset or frustrated I would, I would sit with them and be prepared to sort of like interject when emotion, as emotions begin to rise before they get to a, a place where we're throwing a tantrum or something. Yeah. That for like, I honestly, as a kid, like th th this was an, an interesting element for me where this is like the, the history of games that most people like I think my age have is, you know, platformers uh, of the NES variety. And I had a lot of them around me. I considered them really more of my parents' games. Mario, Donkey Kong, um, you know, that was all the games that my parents had and they played. I found them really frustrating and I like I played with them. Um, we very, as a family were really into Donkey Kong, um, but I never really like it wasn't mine. It wasn't until N64 and getting access to shooters and simulation games and like sandbox games and a more variety of games. That was when I actually like, oh, this is my game. And it was interesting because my parents often didn't find those games interesting. It's like, well, what's the challenge here? You're just wandering around a map 
like doing a thing and i'm like that's exactly it i get to make a character and then wander that character around a map it's wonderful it's brilliant um it was very interesting from people that played role-playing games to be like making a character and wandering around a map doing things why would anyone want to do that anyway i'm gonna go play (laughs) dragon quest 2 like or dragon warrior 2 and now to be fair yeah that's true yeah no because my mom was that and then like we also had monkey island uh the monkey island games were a game i was really into because which i don't even know where that would fit into in all of this map of games but yeah yeah no it's yeah it's and it was it's, it's an interesting generational dynamic because people talk about games as like this thing that millennials own which is crazy and not accurate i i think i think there's a lot of gen xers that play it that way of like well because gen xers don't play games anymore so it's a thing that millennials do and it's like y- y'all had atari and nes like it wasn't like Three month or six month old me didn't go out and buy an NES. My dad did for him. Like, um, yeah. Sorry. I'm, for I'm... for reference, Monkey Island Two is an adventure game, uh, uh, yes. which I didn't put on here as one of the things to talk about because, like, adventure games, not that they don't exist anymore, but like they're rare, uh, and I haven't seen one that's kind of like exploded in popularity but i'm also like not super tapped into it so like uh i'll fully open myself up here to criticism of like the adventure game community coming in and being like um actually we've had a lot of great releases <laughs> and uh you're out of touch old man so you know i'll i'll eat that if if so be it but um adventure games i actually played a lot of as a kid a lot of adventure games with my mom like missed uh i really liked the journeyman project series which uh i found very few people who would know what the hell i'm talking about when i say that but there are a series of adventure games. Very cool. All about time travel. Loved them as a kid. And I played them with my mom. My mom kind of helped to do the tracking the puzzles and going through it. And, you know, I'd kind of like move around and try to find stuff or whatever. And together we kind of worked through them. And every now and then I'd solve a puzzle before my mom did and I would get really excited. So <laughs> they can be really good things to do together. But I certainly don't think like you're not going to set a seven year old off to miss and have them like get it. <laughs> They're going to be very confused. I, me and my dad got missed at one point and we were both confused and we're like this game's dumb and we I, we I don't think we played it enough to get into it um i remember that game just sitting on our shelf forever mist um, is a very mist in particular is a very weird one because of the underlying reality of i'm trying to say this without spoilers like on a game that's like fucking like 40 <laughs> years old or whatever but like you know like like I, okay Right now, if you if you care about Mist and you're like, I'm gonna play it one day and whatever, like fast forward because I'm about to say something that's gonna like really, really ruin the experience. If you're watching you... this on a Windows 95, yeah, okay, look, you know, some people might have like a list of like 50 classic games you should play before you die or whatever, and they're gonna be really mad that I told them the big secret to Mist. So like, if that's you and you don't want to hear it, skip forward like a minute or two. Okay, warning has been given. Okay, so like with Mist, the whole thing is like there's these magic books and you can go to different worlds and that's really cool. But it turns out the whole thing is completely pointless because like you in going through these worlds, you're collecting these pages that have been torn out of these this red book and this blue book. And they each seem to have like a person trapped inside. And as you add pages back into it, they get more and more coherent, like more and more able to communicate. And they are convincing you like, yeah, yeah, I can get my thing. Like, oh, and but beware of the guy in the red book. He's dangerous. Or the blue guy says... 
or the red guy says like, beware the guy in the blue book. He's dangerous, you know? Uh, and if you complete either book, whoever's in them sucks you into the book and takes your place. So like they're both traps and it's 99% of the game is pointless because the real thing is that there's a white book hidden in the central room that you start in that you find it eventually. And in the collection of the red and blue pages, you get hints at that. This is a thing. So like, there's a point in playing through the game, but like, once you know it, you can actually beat the game in about five minutes. Cause you go over to the white book, you put it in, you do the thing. Like it's, uh, my dad and I would have turned that game into duck hunt after we failed to finish it. <laughs> mom, mom and I played through that game and we completed the blue book, got trapped, went, ah, crap, the red one was the right one. Went to the red book, also got trapped, went, what the heck? And then eventually found the right thing. But it was uh, it was certainly a moment of like, uh, it, it has a very odd texture to it, I'll just say. Anyway. <laughs> Now that I've gotten us entirely off on a side quest, tell us about sandbox games. Oh, well, first there's fighting games, which I'll just really quickly capture uh, is very similar to platformers. And that's like a very reflex sort of thing. Absolutely do not play against your kids with that. They may want to. I will say like you can do it as like a fun thing. Try not to go hard. But like fundamentally, they're just going to be very bad at it. Like I tried to play Smash Brothers with, you know, my kids from a very young age and like I we had an episode where like uh like even just tracking where your character is during the exchange is like just hard and like my youngest would just like walk off the edge constantly and be very very frustrated so like it's not I won't like none of these are like off the table and fighting games certainly have like an easy to learn element you'd be like walk up push a you punched him good job like uh but um, and like, it's a game that also is like very forgiving to like button mashing. You just tell them to push buttons and they'll do cool stuff, but, um, it, they're also extremely high skill ceiling. So like, they're going to get frustrated if they at, like, you know, like I'll, I'd even ask sometimes they'd be like, I want to fight you. Like, do you want me to really fight? Or do you want me to just like, you know, play around and they'd be like, Oh, I'll play around or some every now and then they tell me to like really try. And then I would defeat them very easily or whatever. So. Uh, another good candidate for hand-eye coordination uh, and you can sometimes play as a team so if you can do that like it can be you versus some easy computers or whatever and they're usually easy enough that like they can contribute um sandbox games now this one has obviously like a giant player here that like almost goes without saying but like minecraft is every five-year-old and up knows about minecraft and roblox uh Roblox is kind of like its own thing. It's like a game of games. So like, like I'd really be more talking about specific games inside of Roblox, but uh, for any of these, but uh, as far as like sandbox goes, Minecraft is great, fantastic game for kids uh, because a creative mode exists. You can make them invincible and they can just have like all of these building blocks to like make stuff, uh, express themselves. It's like, it's like Legos. It's like Legos, but like digital, uh, in creative mode and like you know eventually when they want like a challenge they can sort of graduate to a survival mode type of thing um but any sandbox game often is very very good for kids because they can just kind of wander around and do stuff and figure out how stuff works and there's uh a ton of these uh that they've stumbled upon um there's one that has like a bunch of like dust things like different colors and they react in different ways like so got kind of like a 
alchemy sort of feel to it or like oh if you put acid with wood it eats through it but like if you put it with glass it doesn't so like and there's different kinds of i don't even know what it's called i have to go ask them they you, they would play it on their tablets all the time and it was a, kind of a sandbox game you just kind of like put stuff on the screen and see how it interacts um but um very good for expression very good for imagination uh can go into a slightly more traditional video game challenge once they get old enough and uh with minecraft and with a lot of these games you can play together like so you know you can get in and you can build stuff and you can show them what you built and they're like oh cool you know dad built a house or whatever um and so it can be a way to kind of like show off to like have your kids think you're really cool uh and inspire them to do bigger projects that you have the sort of focus and dedication to do uh, anything you want to say about sandbox games? Uh, no, I agree. Sorry, I'm being a little quiet for time's sake because uh, I keep yeah. running us off the rails. But no, I agree. I my God, it, working in rec centers, the kids, uh, Minecraft was always our savior. savior. Like <laughs> kids yeah. don't know what to do. We could throw Minecraft on and they all were into it and they wouldn't fight over the game. Any other game, they would all end up fighting about. They wouldn't fight over Minecraft. So, yep. Next on the list is shooters. Um now shooters can depend, uh, but generally another one that's difficult for younger ages, as with any of them that require sort of like fast reflex things. Um, absolutely do not have your children play on multiplayer shooter games. They will hate it, and everyone who is playing with them will hate you. Um, and hopefully they're not on voice chat to hear what people say. So like um I'd say just like, you know, make sure if you're doing a shooter, that's a one, something they can play like on their own and maybe has like the ability to do some degree of pacing. So they're not just kind of like dying all the time. Um, I played uh portal with the kids, mostly like they watched me play it. Um, Cause again, the reflexes weren't really there, but they would, they actually got really good at like imagining the solutions and, Oh, shoot up there, do this kind of thing. And so like, I actually had them solve a lot of the puzzles because I already knew how to solve them. Uh, but uh, now shooter games have definitely have the problem that we talked about last time. A lot of times of like not questioning violence, uh, just, I mean, it's a shooter game. What else are you going to do? I say that having just mentioned portal, but you know, uh, and some titles in this genre are just like straight, like Noam Chomsky esque manufactured consent, like jerking off us imperialism. Uh, so like, you know, don't do that. Um, but it's another one, hand-eye coordination practice, uh, reaction time practice, um, just be aware of the content of it and don't give them something that they're not ready for. Uh, yeah. Like, like even a game I think is relatively woke or not woke, ooh, I used the word woke. Why I meant, I, did, I meant to say based, uh, as Riker taught us. Um, anyways, my point, um, I fucking love the Wolfenstein games. But mm. I don't know how you know, I'm gonna. I, there's a lot I need to talk to my kid about before I have him play Wolfenstein because if not, you know, like why is it okay for us to slaughter these enemies and not other ones? Well, because they're Nazis. I need to do something. Yeah, right. Wait, it's that's gonna be a point when I have to explain the Nazis to my kid. But um, Wolfenstein right, right. is probably gonna be when I have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. So last on the list is simulation games. Uh. These are really actually surprisingly good. I, when I initially was thinking about this, 
um, not for the episode, but like way back when I was first thinking as a parent how to introduce stuff. I didn't expect simulation games to be a thing that I would be like, oh, kids love this. But like um, certainly the controls and the complexity are something that they need some handholding with. So it's not, uh, but you can use cheat codes to adjust this if, you know, so you can expose them to cheat codes the same thing with strategy games to solve some of this problem. That said, uh, still like the mechanical complexity can be a little bit overwhelming, a lot of information overload, but um my kids would like come and see me. Like I would play, play playing like roller coaster tycoon or something. And they think it was like super cool. You could build your own rides. You can see little and see all the people get on them and, you know, build a thing and watch more and more people come. They actually loved it. They, they loved this sort of like um, these sort of sim games where they could, you know, see, you could build some of your own stuff and you could, you know, have it work out and, uh, and whatnot. So, and you, a lot of times the content in sim games can be like fairly benign, uh, dating sims notwithstanding, but like, um, I would say like, it's another good way to like, you know, sort of like introduce like the interactions between systems and getting an idea of how like, uh, uh, things that each have their own, like tiny rules and how they work can sort of like merge together to make a big sort of like, you know, there's the managing of the individual rides, but also like how do they fit into the overall theme park and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's very satisfying, similar with the uh, sandbox games, like build some stuff from the ground up. Um, but certainly I, I think it's one that you're likely going to have to like sit with them and do um, and all that. So um, basically final takeaway for all of this is that like video games in general, great way to bond and spend time with your kids. Uh, you don't have to worry too much about uh, harmful effects. Uh and they can be great ways to develop certain mental and physical skills uh, and be even educational. Um, but like with everything related to parenting, you can't do it thoughtlessly. You're going to have to be involved in it. You're going to have to know what you're doing. You're going to have to think about what you're giving them and what they're being exposed to and how it's affecting them and doing interventions and whatnot. But when done well, I think they can be a really positive addition to uh, a kid's life. And I would certainly encourage their uh, thoughtful use in kids development a hundred percent well uh follow us on spotify or you know, find us on spotify uh uh apple pods whatever the other podcast places are like and subscribe to us on youtube follow us on patreon uh go to patreon and do give us some money and join our discord and we can talk about this talk about future episodes you would like to do with us any final words philip Play video games. They're fun. Yes. Thank you all. Have a wonderful morning, afternoon, night, or whatever other time of day it is. Thank you.